welcome for us this morning, the band. Thank you, guys. If you're new to LifePoint, you're like, why did they just sing a Journey tune? Well, it's because I'm old and I like Journey. So get, get over, we're moving on, moving on now. Any 80s folks in the house with me today? Any 80s folks? Uh, maybe Journey wasn't your band. Mine was, mine was Foreigner, Journey, Boston, Kansas. I had a thing with name, like city names. Um, and, and then I could really, really get down on some Stevie Wonder. Come on, somebody, any Stevie Wonder? Anyways. I was a fan of all kinds of music, and so that's going to be represented during this series playlist where we're taking some, some old songs, some new songs, and we're using them as a backdrop as we teach um, some spiritual truths over the next few weeks. And so thank you for being with us here today. Um, thank you for celebrating 10 years with us. There's snacks out there. Like the snacks were so pretty this morning that everybody was like going, I don't want to touch it, but please touch them and eat them. Don't touch them and like leave them. Like if you touch them, take them. Um, just sanitary. Um, but celebrate with us big um, 10 years. And listen, we're just getting started and the best is yet to come. I believe that with all, all of my heart. If you missed last week, I made the unfortunate choice of singing a song called Million Reasons. And after, after I got done with it, they took my man card away from me because it's a Lady Gaga song. Um, <clears throat> you may not have known that, and I probably shouldn't have told you that. But anyways, it was. And um, so I, I wanted to do Journey so I could get my man card back this week because um, Journey's manly. Uh, anyways, um, in all of its various uh, adaptations, Don't Stop Believing is a, just a killer song. I forget. I don't even know what the words mean. If I was looking at them today going, huh. Street lights, people, what does that even mean? But don't stop believing is the key takeaway today, all right? Just remember that part of it, all right? Um, anyways, last week we were talking about a million reasons, and what we said was that um, the enemy, your spiritual enemy, and really beyond the enemy, life has a way of giving you a million reasons to walk away from the things that matter most um, in your life. But what we said is you only need one good reason to stay, you only need one good reason to stay the course, um, to stick it out, to push forward, to persevere. And, um, and then we talked about Jesus, and we, we were coming out of the Easter season, and we talked about resurrection and cross, and we talked about what was the one reason that Jesus, he had a million reasons to walk away from the pain, the shame, the humiliation of the cross, the abandonment by his friends and his own family. I don't know if you know this, but his own family didn't even believe in him. His own brothers didn't believe in him. Um, they just left him. And he could have walked away, but he had one good reason to stay, and the Bible says it was for the joy in Hebrews. It was the joy that was set before him. And what was the joy? The joy was that people like you and I have the chance to spend an eternity with God because of what Jesus did on our behalf. And so when life and, 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 and the enemy give you a million walk, reasons to walk away, you just stay the course. And today, um, I want to sort of pick up on that same theme, and I want to keep rolling with that just for a little bit. Um, and you just heard one of my most favorite songs of all time, Don't Stop Believing." And this is our 10th anniversary as a church. And, and I would just say this, and I could get nostalgic here, and I could take way longer than I should. But let me just tell you that in 10 years, when you start a church with nobody, no people, no money, like, like there's so many better ways to do it than we did it, but we did it like, I, people come to me and go, hey, man, I'm thinking about starting a church. I'm like, let me give you the top 10 things not to do, right? Come on. I don't know what to tell you to do, but let me give you the best things not to do. That's my book. That's the book I'm writing. 10 things not to do to screw up your church. Anyways, that's the whole deal. Um, there was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of pain, a lot of anguish, a lot of questioning, a lot of, are you sure, God? Um, we, we, we give you a little bit of that in that piece there. Um, but what I've, what I've discovered that is through all the ups and the downs and all the victories and the, tri the triumphs, that here's what I believe fundamentally, 
that our best is yet to come. Really, genuinely, that, that, that act one, decade number one, awesome. Decade number two, because we're getting ready to go into a new building. There's some amazing things that are working for our, on, our, on our benefit that, that are gonna change the game for us completely. And um, I just wanna say, don't stop believing. All right, I'm done, we'll see you. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> that would be kind of cool if we could all go to lunch right now but, uh, together. But it's only 1046, it's too early. You all just ate donuts and whatnot. Um, Here's what I want to do. I, I was debating all week, should I talk about the church or should I do what I really want to do? And is I, should I just talk to people, real people with real issues, real stuff going on? And that's what I chose to do. So that's probably what I'm always going to choose to do. Um, there are some of you here um, for whom life is tough right now. Um, you're facing challenges with kids or family members or marriages or relationships or career paths or financial reasons or health things. And most of us, that's, most of us are like, we're, we're good, but there is enough of us in this room today that it felt like this was a message to, to speak about. Um, and I want to talk to you particularly about the idea that when you get fired up and you get excited, like last week we said, don't quit. It's like, okay, I'm going to give it another shot. And this week it didn't get better. Maybe, maybe it actually got worse. Maybe the relationship got worse. Maybe the tension grew larger. Maybe... Any number of things happened that made you go, I, I'm, I've got a new list of reasons to walk away. Um, I, I want to just talk about that, that, that God responds to faith above all other things, the Bible says, that without faith, Hebrew says, it's impossible to please God. Like above, above all of the things that we do sort of as Christians and believers, faith is the thing. And God responds to faith, particularly faith that's tested, particularly faith in the face of conflicting doubts, right? I, I want to believe, matter of fact, in one place in the Gospels, this guy comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you help my son? And Jesus says, um, I, I will, I'll help you. And, and the guy says, look, I, I want to believe, help, I have faith, help my unbelief. He says, I, I, there's a part of me that believes, but there's another part of me that's conflicted about belief, right? Do, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a part of me that says, yes, there's another part of me going, I don't know. And, and he was super honest with Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, listen, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. So I want to help you with the, yeah, but what about that stuff? What about my own experiences, which haven't been so stellar as it relates to faith, Danny? What about those things? And, 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 and because let's be honest, you can pray some big prayers to God and sometimes they happen, and you're like, yes, you know, my pains and my aches are gone. My daughter stopped rolling her eyes when I asked her to do the dishes. Her countenance is like the glory of God on her face, like the angelic hosts. And it was like, woo, and it was a miracle. You know what I'm saying? Not my daughters. They're perfect in every possible way. Your daughters. <laughs> hey, by the way, daughters, thank you so much for doing this thing with mommy and daddy for these last 10 years. We love you so much. You're awesome. Thank you, guys. But, but let's be honest, wherever there's moments like that, there are also the other moments where you ask God to do the miraculous, but things get worse. You may ask God to make the marriage better, um, but, but during the week that you ask him, it actually got to the edge of a breaking point. You, you, you ask God to do some amazing things, but not only does he not do the amazing things, you're not even sure if he's even hearing you at all. Like, what about that, Danny? What about those things? And so I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. And, I, and, and uh, John, I feel like my mic's just a little bit hot. Like, I feel like it's going to ring at me. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture today in the New Testament that 
that, that deals with this very thing. It's found, if you want to have your Bibles and get them out, Mark, Mark chapter 5. This is a guy who comes to Jesus. And not only does he pray a big prayer to God, but he's talking to Jesus face to face while Jesus was doing ministry. Like, this is the thing that's going on. And, and, and it seems like, hey, Jesus is going to respond to his request. The miracle's coming. The prayers are getting answered. Faith is rising. And just as it seems like it's going to turn around, it actually gets worse. Mark chapter 5. And, and I want to sum up about 14 verses of Scripture um, rather than taking the time to read them before I get to verse 35. Essentially, there's a guy named Jairus. He is a ruler of the synagogue. The synagogue was the local temple, the church. Um, it was filled with powerful men um, in particular. Uh, during the culture, men sort of dominated um, the whole landscape of things, both in Rome and in the Jewish culture in Rome, Roman territory, which Jerusalem was in. And so this guy had a lot of servants. He had a lot of people that looked to him. He was a powerful man. But he humbles himself to Jesus because he has a 12-year-old daughter who is very, very, very sick. And, and when you think about your kids, if those of you who have them, when, if one of them were to be on death's door, I can't even imagine the pain of that. Some of you have been down that road, um, but I can't even imagine that. But I think it's important for us to say that even in the worst of situations, that this story, this true story, represents your biggest need, the thing that's, maybe it's not as bad as a child dying, but maybe to you right now, it seems like it's closing in on you. It just speaks to the fact that Jesus deals with and helps with circumstances, no matter how bad they are, no matter how rough they may seem to you, that God isn't afraid of the worst situations that we can bring to him. That's, that's what this story says. And so Jesus, Jesus agrees to go and heal this man's daughter, and it seems like Jair, Jairus must be going, yes, like, like the prayer is answered, right, I, and, and, and things are moving in the right direction, and, and my hopes are up, and my faith is rising, and God can do anything, and this is totally awesome, and it's really easy even in a church service to hear a, 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 an encouraging message or have a cur- cool song that like, lifts the spirits, but when you get back out in the real world, and it just seems like Man, I thought I had some forward momentum out there with this situation. And then sometimes when your miracle seems like it's in progress, life has a way of, of rudely interrupting that miracle with something even worse. You ever notice this? Like that, that, that saying that when it rains, it, it pours. You ever experience that when you're like, man, it's, it's getting better. And then all of a sudden it gets worse. And you're like, I don't know if I can handle anymore. This is the story here. And so this is what happens to Jairus. His little daughter is dying. And Jesus says, hey, let's go. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about this. And they're en route to, um, to the house. And as they're on their way, a, a woman cuts in line. <laughs> in, in line of, of Jairus' miracle, like he's in line to get a miracle. And a woman cuts in the line. And, and, and she touches the hem of his garment. Remember this story if, you, if you're familiar with the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I don't do well with people cut me in line. Come on, can, can I get an amen? Like, like if I'm in traffic and I'm, and I'm, I'm at a light you know, and I'm going to turn left and like at, at the school at Taft Elementary, I mean Taft Elementary, Taft High School every morning I go. And sometimes if you give them a tiny little gap, somebody will swing up and cut in front of you even though you've been in line for like 18 minutes. And the enemy rises in my spirit. Um, <laughs> Like a black fog of anger and hostility towards them. You know what I'm saying? Like some of you are new, you're like, is that the preacher guy? Yeah, yeah, I'm the preacher guy. It really is this bad in my life. Um, 
Like, like if I'm at the store and I'm in the, the line and you cut in front of me because I'm, I'm looking at something else for one second, like, I want to ram you with the love of Christ. <laughs> and give you, as I drive my cart over your body, I want to drop a little, hey, come to Life Point card. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, welcome. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible, right? Um, so this woman cuts in front of Jairus. And, and I know there's really nothing comical about this situation, but, but think about it. You're about to have your daughter healed. You're about to have your prayer answered. And then all of a sudden, this woman who the Bible says had this issue of blood, man, she was just, yeah, um, for 12 years, just the same amount of time as this guy's daughter's been alive. 12, both situations, 12 years. And this woman touches the hem of Jesus' garment and she gets a healing from it. And there's a, whole, there's a whole theology behind why she touched the hem of his garment. I don't have time to get into that today. But, but you know, Jairus is like, well, why are we stopping? Because Jesus just stops everything. He's like, who touched me? And, and there's this whole argument with his disciples. Hey, Lord, there's, there's like hundreds of people around here. They're all crowding around you to get a miracle. And you're like, who touched me? And, and there's this whole deal. And he's looking for the lady. And he has this conversation with the lady. Now, put yourself in Jairus' shoes. Because he knows how dire the circumstances are with his daughter. Please, let's hurry. Please, let's go. Please, let's, can we go right now? And all of a sudden, everything just stops. Because a woman cuts in line to get her healing. Well, it's great. She's gotten healed. Can we just please, can we please go? Because while all of this is going down, all of this story, and so it starts with Jairus. The woman interrupts. This is the story. The woman interrupts. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And then it ends with Jairus. And in the middle of all that, Jairus is going, please, can we just go? Now, while this is all going down, the little girl's condition worsens to the extent that in Mark chapter 5, verse 35, here's what the Bible says. While Jesus was still speaking, while he's still addressing this whole deal, some men from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, come and say, your daughter's dead. Now, think about this from Jairus' perspective. You're saying, what? She's dead? But, but we were on our way. Jesus, you were going to heal her. Like, why did we stop? Why did we get hung up here? You ever, you ever feel like when it comes to you that God made a mistake? Like, how did he let that happen? Come on, be, on, be honest. You ever just felt like, I think he just blew it. Like, like while, while everything was coming together and it seemed like God was going to finally bless me and God was going to finally answer me. It seems like in the cosmic scheme of how prayers work, somebody cut in line because you're blessing that guy over there and I don't even think he deserves to be blessed. Meanwhile, I'm over here doing everything I know how to do, God, for you, and it seems like it's not going well. Like, like not only are you not blessing me, I don't even know if you're hearing me, but it's like, whoa, you're dumping blessings on that dude over there. Like, like probably none of you have ever been there, but I have, I've been there. And then you go from having a sick daughter, if you're Jairus, or a bad situation to a dead daughter, a dead situation where hope is gone. And now you don't just need a healing, you need something far greater, far seemingly harder. You need a resurrection of a dead thing, of a broken thing, of a ruined and a wrecked thing. 
And that's the place where Jairus is. And then they ask him this question in verse 35. These same guys, they come and say, hey, your daughter's dead. And then they say this line. Why bother the teacher anymore? Like if you're a note taker, maybe just under the underline there, why bother? Why bother? I feel like that's where some of you might be in your own life. And if you're not there, you're right on the edge of that. You've asked God to do some things and you believe God could do it and you had your faith rise and something came along and you're like, yeah, Danny, why, why bother? Like for some of you, even coming to church, you're like, yeah, here's another message about faith, but I've heard one of these before and, you know, it didn't turn around. And so why, why bother praying? Why, why bother serving? Why bother trying to get plugged in? Why, why bother? Just as soon as you thought, man, this can actually happen. Man, God could use me. God could turn this around. God could take my life. Something flies in the face of, of your faith and, and cripples you in a way that you wish maybe you had never even started to believe to begin with. Maybe it had been better if you had no faith. Like at least you would have known what was going to happen. You know what you're dealing with. There is no hope. There is nobody coming to the rescue. And, and maybe I'm just talking to me today because I have been here more than once even recently as it relates to this building program that we've been a part of, with the, dealing with the city and all this stuff. Have you ever gotten to the place in your relationship with, with God where you felt like, why even bother? And, and you'll notice the people who say this to Jairus, the Bible says very explicitly that they're people from his own household. They're his guys. This is not his enemies coming to taunt him. <laughs> Your daughter's dead, man, like some creeper weirdos. Like this is his own people coming, saying, I know you have faith. I know you believe. I know you think things are going to turn around, but it's not. Don't even bother anymore. Now, this is important because some of the greatest doubts that you're going to face in life are going to have been created by people who are the closest to you. That's true. You believe in for a business. You're believing with your dream. You have this hope. You have this, uh, this idea. You, you have this, and then people will come along, right? Your own family sometimes will come and crush those. And, and then what's even worse is that you have to deal with your own insecurities and your own self-doubts. And so sometimes the loudest voices of doubt in your life will be from you about what God said to you, about what God called you to do, about what God promised to do. And so here's the paradox of walking with faith in God and trusting him for big things is you want to see God do great things. You believe that he can. You're hoping for that. And so on the one side of things, you have God saying to you through a message or through a song or through his word that all things are possible and don't stop believing and hope is possible. But every time you have God saying that or you hear it in a song or a message that you can do this, you can break free, you can break through, you can make this thing happen, you got an enemy and your other going, why bother? Why bother? And you have this tension that exists between those two worlds. That You've tried to stop this habit for years, man. You've had that New Year's resolution for the same 20 years in a row, man. What's going to be different about this time? Like, well, you try to get your wife to love you. You've tried to rekindle the spark of the marriage, but it's only gotten colder and she's turned her back on you even more. He's turned his back on you even more. Why bother to ask God to resurrect your marriage? Why, why bother to pray for my kids who are so far from God, who are maybe uh, out dealing in drugs or involved in drugs and it seems like every time they hit the bottom they'll get back up they'll go to rehab they'll go do this thing and it's like okay it's going to turn around and then it'll go happen again why bother 
why bother giving to charity or giving to a church? Like I hope because God sees me do this, he's going to turn everything around. But man, instead my finances got worse. Why, why bother? Can, can anybody relate to this on any level? I, I wonder for a, a moment of honesty, like because that wasn't very honest. How many of you would say, hands up, yeah, I've been there on some level before. Yeah, a lot more. That's what I thought. The first time you guys were all just lying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, saying it like it is. Why, why bother dreaming? Why bother believing for a healing? Why bother? And, and here's what I love about Jesus, and this verse blesses me so much. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor, and the truth is that over the last 10 years, I found that some people are far more quick to complain than they are to compliment. I don't know if you've ever been around those kind of people. Yeah, anybody? Like, hey, that's my wife. Ah, you know, don't say that out loud. We're trying to help here. Um, I'm thinking about actually putting this verse on the bottom of all of my email correspondence, and it's like an auto response to every email that comes in. I'm just, I'm, but I love it. Mark 5:36. It says this: ignoring what they said. Come on, you gotta love, you gotta love that verse. Take a picture of it. Yes, that's a bumper sticker. Ignoring what they said in traffic. Ignoring what they said. Ignoring what they did. Like on your forehead at you go into work and the boss is saying, hey, ignoring what they said. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, um, I'm joking, but I want to tell you something. This is a verse that if you're going to walk in faith and believe God for great things, you better put this one to memory. Right, Because there are going to be people around you, and sometimes they're going to be the people closest around you who are going to try to create doubt in your mind about what God said to you, about what God promised you. Um, and and, 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 and when, what about, what, that's bad enough, but what about when it's the voice inside your own head telling you this? Like, what do you do then? That nobody's ever done this before, that you can't do this, that you can't recover, that you can't make this happen. Can, can I just tell you that for 10 years now, everything that we've ever done as a church that was good or great, even... We've had somebody telling us why it wouldn't work, why it shouldn't work, why we shouldn't do it this way, why we shouldn't be a church where everybody's welcome and anything's possible and nobody's perfect. We shouldn't have that kind of church. We should just be a church where you have to do all this. Everybody's got to be the same and everybody's got to believe this. Like every time we've ever tried to do anything like that, there's always been 10 people telling us why we shouldn't do it that way. And then if we didn't do it their way, they would go to some other church. That's happened a bunch of times in 10 years. Can I? Anyways, I'm just going to keep moving on. I could digress right there, but I'm not going to, right? But here, here's the thing. Even in, my own, even in my own heart, I've dealt with this as it relates to this building, this, the voice of doubt in my own heart, that, that every time it seems like, hey, we made something happen good, it's like, oh, let's drop 10 things that were bad from the city, like some new crazy thing, like, oh, we're about to start building. Oh, but maybe y'all cut down a 10-inch tree, but we didn't cut down a 10-inch tree. The wind knocked it down in a storm. Yeah, but we think you cut it down, so we're going to hold up the building progress for three months. Uh, I'm getting a little crazy thinking about it, right? Yeah, but we'll plant 40 more new trees. No, no, we're going to battle you about it forever. We didn't cut it down. We like trees. We don't hug them, but we like them. But you know what I've been saying to myself? Is if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Like, like, this is God's church. This is not my church. This is his house, not my house. If he wants to build it, he will build it. And people will come. And, 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 and come on, somebody. You believe this with me? And so, like, even this week on Thursday, man, this, our builder calls and says, hey, Danny, I hate to tell you this. And he starts to cry a little bit. He's like, we got our plat, man. We've been trying for a year to get our plat. We got our plat, man, and we can start going. And I'm like, ah! But we got to go to the fire marshal first. Let's go. Oh, I knew it. 
I knew it. But listen to me, y'all. The big daddy of them all, the plat. The plat. I, don't, I didn't even know what a plat was until this day. Little 10-inch trees were holding up the plat, and stormwater flow was holding up the plat, and the barns that we had to tear down was holding up the plat. Like, they're just little old barns. Leave them alone. Tear them down, the evil people of the city said to us. We tore them down. Looks like Sanford and Son back there, but we tore them down. It's there. Little therapy. Little therapy. Little therapy. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You got to learn to ignore what they say and what the enemy will say in your ear. You got to learn like your spouse did. You got to, and your kids do. You got to learn selective hearing. Come on. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? And, and seriously, selective hearing might be one of the greatest tools of walking your life out in faith and to, to not stop believing in and do, or don't stop believing. Come on, somebody. You got to learn how to tune out the debt, the doubt. Matter of fact, you got to treat it like a bad telemarketer. Just don't even answer the phone. I don't know this number. I'm not answering it. Can I get an amen, somebody? You got to learn to do exactly what Jesus did when somebody says, hey, don't even bother the master. She's already dead. He's like, not going to hear it. Not going to tune into that. He's not even phased by it. M matter of fact, we're going to read this in a minute. It seems like not only is he not phased by it, he's kind of callous towards the whole thing. But what I want you to know about Jesus is the same Jesus who unflinchingly says, Jairus, let's go to your house now. Who, who doesn't get phased in the moment. He's the same God who is standing over the top of your circumstances, which have phased you dramatically, which have caused you doubt and anxiety and fear. That same God who was not phased in the, in, the, in the face of bad news is the same God who's Lord over your life. Amen, somebody? So Jesus told the synagogue ruler, tells Jairus, listen, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't stop believing. So Journey got this song from this verse right here. They didn't really. I'm just kidding. So on the one hand, you got Jairus' people saying, don't bother the master. It's over. And, and on the other hand, you got Jesus saying, listen, don't be afraid. Just believe. So Jairus goes, does exactly what Jesus says. And here's what verse 37 says. Jesus said, Jesus, this is Jesus now. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. So there's a crowd there, but Jesus is like, we're going to go do business, and I can't have voices of doubt in my head. And you got to learn this from Jesus, that there are going to be people in your life that you're going to have to tune them out because they're going to tell you the moment you say, we can have a family, we can do this thing, our marriage can turn around, we can have a business, we can follow our dreams, we can do all this. There are going to be people saying, no, 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 no. you got to say, no, no, you can't come with me where I'm going. And that's what Jesus does here. You can't just let anybody speak into your life. Come on, somebody. You can't just let anybody speak into your life you got to make sure it's the right people. And so verse 38, he says, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Listen, people in the Middle East can lament like nobody's business. We, we can learn, listen, as Americans in Western culture, we can learn that there's a time for weeping and there's a time for mourning. And, and they were doing this. And so Jesus comes up on this scene. He's like, hey, listen, why all this commotion and wailing? Now, Think about this from their perspective. It'd be like you walking into a funeral home and going, hey, why are you all crying? <laughs> I'm here, party on. Bust a cap in that guy. Get him out. Get him out. Seems like a bad question, even, even a callous one, except that Jesus 
knows the beginning of the story. He knows the middle of the story. He knows the end of the story. He has this 30,000-foot view. He sees everything that comes before. He's the God of the beginning, the middle, and the end. And some of us trusted God at the beginning of our faith journey, but then we have learned to live by self instead of by faith. And then when the bottoms drop, bottom drops out, we forget what he did for us in the beginning. But he doesn't know. He doesn't forget. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's God in the middle of the story when it seems like all hope is lost, when things are not going well. He's still God in the middle of that. And he has not forgotten you. The devil says, why bother? Jesus says, don't stop believing. Now watch this, verse 40. He makes this audacious statement. Why are you crying? She's not dead. She's sleeping. And then they, it says that they laughed at Jesus. Like... And he's like, here's what he says in the next verse. After they laughed at him, he put them all out. You get out, right? Don't you love that? Oh, get out, right? Get out. And then look at this. The reason I bring that up is that you have to do this with your doubters, with your doubt. You got to say, get out. No, no, no. I'm going to believe. I know it seems like there's a million reasons to walk away. There's a million reasons not to believe. But I'm going to let this, this service, this sermon, this, these words from Jesus, I'm going to let them speak to me to be the voice of, hey, all things are possible. All things are possible. Cast out the doubt, right? And then he says, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and the mother and the disciples who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and he went in where the child was, and he took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kum which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Now, those of you who speak English only, you ever been to a place where you're talking to somebody and, and they talk to you back in Spanish or in Creole when we're in Haiti, and you're like, what did he say? Because they say like two words and, and they like say a whole paragraph, and you're like, we got to learn how to do that. Like in English, we got to learn how to say talith kum, and it's actually 47 words all strung together. That's what happened here. I love the Bible because it's filled with stuff like this. And immediately, listen to me, that the moment that Jesus says, okay, that's enough, Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders to not let anyone know about this. And he told them, hey, listen, get the girl some carne guisada and some big red. She's hungry. You know what I love about that? In the middle of everybody's panic, in the middle of everybody freaking out and thinking all hope is lost, calm and cool and collective, not only does he have the presence of mind and the presence to raise her from the dead, get her some carne guisada. If she was in San Antonio, that's how that would have gone down. Sandwiches in other places, carne guisada here. Big red, of course, because that will wake you up. Can I get an amen? You pouring it on dead people everywhere you go. Hey, big red. Here I am. Abe Lincoln all dusty and whatnot. Hey, big red on him. He's, I don't know how I got there. Here's the deal. Had Jairus said, you know what, Master? Never mind. Never mind, man. I don't know why you got stuck where you were, but never mind. Let's just, it's over, man. If he had walked away in that moment, if he had given up in that moment, think about what happens in response. I told you this last week that most of the time, life's greatest joys, life's greatest blessings come on just the other side of you not quitting, of you not giving up. The question is, can you trust God when you don't see his hand at work in your life? Can you trust him when it feels like 
it can't get any worse, but then it does. Will you keep believing in the face of the doubters or the voice of your friends or your own family saying, it will not happen. You cannot do this. You will not see this happen. Can you trust a God? Can you keep seeking his face even when you don't see his hand? That, that is the question. That is the key. Can you keep knocking on the door of heaven? God, I need healing. I need a miracle. My daughter's dying. My family's broken. My marriage is messed up. God, could you turn it around? Lord, my child is addicted to drugs. Can you please help them? God, would you, would you, I'm not going to stop knocking on the door of heaven, God, until you turn my situation around. God, could you please help us get our own building? Could we please have our own home? Can you keep inside of you says why bother I want to pray for you and I want to quote from the second book of journey greatest hits (laughs) don't stop believing and and the next line is hold on to your feelings no no feelings will fail you every time hold on Could I pray with you? May may you displace today. May you cast out all of your doubts. And may you in exchange for them receive the promises of God that I am with you always. I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I know the beginning. I know the end. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Can you hang on to those words in the face of all of your doubts? God, I'm praying for people. And there may be just a few, but there are a few of us in this room today that our attitude has been, even though we kept coming, even though we were trying to be faithful, but inside of our hearts, we feel that don't bother thing. It can't turn around have gotten up before I thought it was going to happen but somebody cut me in line I'm praying for those people that they're I'm praying for their faith people who are on the verge of walking away from you or walking away from faith Lord as you prayed for Peter you didn't pray for Peter's circumstances you just said Peter I pray for your faith I pray for their faith they wouldn't stop believing, that they would hold on to their faith, that they would trust you, that they would believe, that they would not be afraid, they would not be dismayed, they would not walk out, they would not quit right at the moment where you're about to turn things around. see nobody's looking around for just a minute those of you who are praying for a lost child or daughter somebody who you're praying for that it seems like if God doesn't do a miracle things are going to go down wrong would you raise your hands real quickly 
Maybe it's a family member, a couple of you. But those of you who are with, have a health thing going on right now, um, that if God doesn't come through, you're not sure how it's going to turn out. Would you just slip your hands up real quick? I'm going to raise my hand up there because that's me. Several of you. Okay, nobody's looking. Just those of you who just have a financial thing going on and you just want to say as a sign of faith, God, would you help me with my finances? Would you raise your hands? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of you are dealing with some other thing that I haven't mentioned that seems bigger than you right now. Would you just slip your hands up? I just want you to say, raise your hands. Thank you, thank you. Lord, you see hands of people who are, who with their hands raised are saying, God, this is bigger than me, but I trust you. I trust you. You are the source. You are my strength. You are my hope. You will help me. You will help me get through. You will give me the grace and the strength to stand strong when I want to walk away, when I want to quit, when I want to give up. And I'm just praying that they, people today would leave here encouraged hear them, that you know them, you have not forgotten them, that you are for them, that you are not against them, that the great God of heaven knows their names, sees the struggles that they're going through, knows the hurt that they're dealing with. Some of us are dealing with incredible amounts of hurt. God, would you be their heart mender this morning? Would you speak hope and life and faith to their hearts? Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?